The date is November 4th, 2020. Donald Trump has just secured just enough electoral votes to reclaim the presidency for another four years. But wait, a swing state that just voted for Donald Trump has a governor intervene saying, no, no, our electoral votes should instead go to the winner of the overall popular vote, as many Democrats have been insisting for a long time. They then decide to give the votes to Joe Biden, who immediately declares victory, saying, well, it's the state's choice, right? Donald Trump says, no, we won the Electoral College. We won. Both sides declare victory. No one has any idea what's going on. And now you have both sides claiming they're the legitimate government. Now, maybe it it actually can't work this way, but it was an idea floated to me in an email I received some time ago. Many people said it would never fly, but they could theoretically just try and it would end up in the courts, I suppose. Now, whether or not that's plausible, we have a story here from Newsweek, how Trump could lose the election and still remain president, where these writers break down a point by point play where Donald Trump could use concerns over voter fraud to essentially remain the president even after losing. Now, to be fair, there have been a lot of stories about Trump refusing to accept defeat. And as most of us know, it was, in, it was actually the Democrats who refused to accept defeat, claiming that Putin did it. And now, you know, I don't know, Ukraine or China, or whatever it is they're trying to claim. They just don't like the fact that Donald Trump actually won. But the real question is, will anyone actually accept the results of the 2020 election? So do any of these scenarios matter? Perhaps Trump just wins. And then everyone says he cheated. Perhaps Biden just wins. And then Trump supporters say he cheated. We're looking now at widespread, uh, widespread mail-in voting, nationwide mail-in voting because of COVID. Donald Trump and Republicans are concerned about the potential for fraud. True story. And I'll show you this. I actually received to my house a mail-in ballot for someone who does not live here. And, even, and as far as I can tell, didn't ask for it, considering they haven't lived here for a very long time. But I know the person is, yes, an official mail-in ballot, completely insecure. Now, many people on the left have said mail-in voting is secure. There's not going to be fraud. Trump has said there's going to be fraud all over the place. It doesn't really matter whether or not you think fraud will be bad. All that matters is, can there be fraud? And the answer is yes. We've already seen it in Paterson, New Jersey. It's bad. 20% of the vote being disqualified. What does that mean? If on November 4th, we're going through all the numbers and going through all the vote, and even a tiny fraction is called into question, you will see lawsuits forever. And then what happens if they say, you know what? These small handful of counties, maybe only 1%, can't be properly accounted for due to mail-in voting questions and insecurity. And then both sides declare either they've won or the other has lost. And in the end, there's, there's just ample reason why both sides will refuse to accept the results. So what happens? I guess then everyone goes insane. Interestingly, however, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because, you know, I I said for a while I thought Trump was in for a landslide, especially with with all the rioting. But then as riots went unchecked, I thought maybe people won't have confidence in Trump and kind of change my tune. I saw a lot of high profile, profile Trump supporters saying they weren't happy with him. And maybe now Trump is on track to lose. This has resulted in many people saying Tim's flip flopping on the issue. And I'm no, I mean, maybe, but it's not like I'm going back and forth. It's that I started with thinking Trump was going to win and have now shifted saying maybe I was wrong about that. It's that simple. So I decided as we are seeing a far left, which is opening the door for a Trump victory through their violence and also through, 
it actually seems like they want Trump to win. I mean this. I mean this seriously. It seems like the far left does want Trump to win. And I can explain this for you once we get to this portion of, this, uh, of the video. But they think it will radicalize people. We'll break this down. You've got people scared of the violence. And you've got a far left that actually might be getting Trump, might want Trump to win. There are reasons why Trump actually may win. Notably, a forecast model called the primary model, which is predicting a Donald Trump landslide, or at least a 91% chance chance of Donald Trump victory. I'm not just going to make another video saying, ah, Trump's going to win. I actually want to talk about how Trump could lose and still remain president. And some of these ideas around whether or not anyone would actually accept if Trump or Biden won. And in the end, what that really means. So let's start with this article from Newsweek. Before we do, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my my work. There's many ways you can give. There is a PO box. You can send stuff if you would like. But the best thing you can do is share this video. I don't have a big marketing budget to compete with major companies. The best way I can actually grow and, and sustain what I do is just word of mouth. So if you like what I do, you think I do a good job, share the video in any form. If you just want to watch, hit the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. And let's see what Newsweek has to say first, how Trump could lose and still remain president. They write, it is increasingly looking as if Joe Biden can beat President Donald Trump in November. The president seems more and more out of step with the national mood from his handling of the pandemic to his response to racially biased policing, not to mention a wide array of other issues, even in key swing states. Trump is losing ground that would be difficult for him to make up. For Trump, there are two broad pathways to maintaining power. First, we can already see very clearly a strategy designed to suppress voter turnout with the purging of registration rolls of large numbers of mostly urban voters. Efforts to suppress mail-in ballots, which are which are more necessary than ever, given COVID-19. A re-election apparatus that is training 50,000 poll watchers for the purpose of challenging citizens' rights to vote on election day, and a significant effort, uh, significant efforts to make in-person voting in urban areas as cumbersome as, as possible in order to have long lines that discourage people from exercising their voting rights. Now, let me stop right there and try and give you the other view of things. That's how the left views it. Let's see how other people view it. I don't want to say necessarily the right, but let's break this down. First of all, purging voter registration rolls. The, the way the left frames that is they're trying to disenfranchise legitimate voters. The way the right tends to frame it is that there are people like, I don't know, your, your long deceased grandmother or people who have moved out who are still in these voter rolls. And if people can don't need an ID and you just vote, they can say whoever they want. Yeah, you might get voter fraud. The left argues voter fraud isn't widespread. It doesn't matter so long as it can happen. And if we're talking about mail-in voting, this is really bad. So perhaps voter poll, reg, uh, uh, vo- voter registration rolls being purged of inactive non-voters makes sense. They say efforts to suppress mail-in ballots, which are more necessary than ever. Well, perhaps it's true, considering I myself have actually received a mail-in ballot. As you can see right here, here's the photo. It's a legitimate, it's official mail-in ballot. It's, it's a mail-in ballot. This is ripe for voter fraud. So perhaps the right has a good point. There's a potential for voter fraud. So trying to just break this down, they're saying there's going to be long lines, but the long lines that everyone saw in Kentucky were actually a result of Democratic politicians. Of course, everyone's going to point the finger at everyone else. Well, they break down this. They say Trump actually tweeted on June 22nd, rigged 2020 election. Millions of mail-in ballots will be printed by foreign countries and others. It'll be the scandal of our times. With this, Trump has begun to lay the groundwork for the step-by-step process by which he holds onto the presidency after he has clearly lost the election. Oh boy, it begins. One, Biden wins the popular vote. 
and carries the key swing states of Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania by decent but not overwhelming margins. Two, Trump immediately declares that the voting was rigged, that there was mail-in ballot fraud, and that the Chinese were behind a plan to provide fraudulent mail-in ballots and other election hacking throughout the four key swing states that, that gave Biden his victory. Having railed against the Chinese, three, having railed against the Chinese throughout the campaign, calling Biden soft on China, Trump delivers his narrative claiming the Chinese have interfered in the U.S. election. Four, Trump indicates this is a major national security issue, and he invokes emergency powers directing the DOJ to investigate the alleged activity in the swing states. The legal justification for the presidential powers he invokes has already been developed and issued by Barr. I'm going to pause real quick and say, if you've been following the Timcast IRL podcast, I believe it was that was where I mentioned I thought there would be some kind of false flag where the government captures some kind of Chinese counterfeiter or something as a pretext for some kind of conflict. Interesting that these lefties over at Newsweek are insinuating something similar. Number five, the investigation is intended to tick tick down the clock toward December 14th, the deadline when each state's electoral college electors must be appointed. This is the very issue the Supreme Court harped on in Bush v. Gore in ruling the election process had to be brought to a close, thus forbidding the further counting of Florida ballots. Six, all four, uh, all four swing states have Republican control of both their upper and lower houses of, uh, of their state legislatures. Those state legislators refuse to allow any electoral college state slate to be certified until the national security investigation is complete. Now, this is the inverse of the scenario presented to me via email, where I said a governor intervenes and says, give the electoral votes to the popular vote winner. This is something inverted, where the state controlled legislatures, Republicans actually say, no, no, we can't move forward because of national security issues. Seven, the Democrats will will have begun a legal action to certify the results in those four states and the appointment of the Biden slate of electors, arguing that Trump has manufactured a national security emergency in order to create the ensuing chaos. Eight, the issue goes up to the Supreme Court, which unlike the 2000 election, election does not decide the election in favor of the Republicans. However, it indicates again that the December 14th electoral college deadline must be met, that the president's national security powers legally authorize him to investigate potential foreign country intrusion into the election. And if no electoral college slate can be certified by any state by December 14th, the electoral college must meet anyway and cast its votes. Nine, The Electoral College meets, and without the electors from those four states being represented, neither Biden nor Trump has sufficient votes to get an Electoral College majority. 10. The election is thrown into the House of Representatives pursuant to the Constitution. Under the relevant constitutional process, the vote in the House is by state delegation, where each delegation casts one vote, which is determined by the majority of the representatives in that state. Currently, there are 26 states that have a majority Republican House delegation, 23 of a majority Democrat. There is one state, Pennsylvania, that is an evenly split delegation. Even if the House, even if the Democrats were to pick up seats in Pennsylvania and hold all their 2018 House gains, Republicans would have a 26 to 24 majority. 12. The vote would enable Trump to retain the presidency. Perhaps you say it's insane. Maybe that won't happen. I think I have no idea what's going to happen. We are truly living in interesting and unprecedented times. So I really have no idea. But isn't this an interesting scenario? A bit circuitous, long winded, but not too dissimilar to what I talked about previously in the IRL podcast about maybe Trump wins the electoral vote. 
They give a swing state, you know, electors are appointed to Joe Biden instead based on the popular vote and all chaos ensues. In the end, I think what we see from both of these ideas is an inversion of basically the same thing, but accusing the other side. In this, they accuse Trump of interfering. In my scenario, we accuse the Democrats of interfering. But in the end, the reality is voters won't accept the 2020 election results, no matter who wins. A lot of people have said it. So then what happens? As we are entering these truly unpredictable, unprecedented and interesting times, many people have brought up the prospect of a civil war. If this goes from the top down, from the highest levels of government all the way to the street level regular people, then yeah, it seems the makings of a civil war are legit. We then have the woke far left, and then we have the civil civil libertarian constitutionalist conservatives. Take that for what it is. You're going to see fringe elements on both sides fighting for their opportunity to, you know, from the ashes of the old, they will build anew. It's hard to know exactly what will happen, but I will say something. Before we move further and entertain the possibilities of absolute chaos in Bedlam, I want to point out they've said this before. The New York Times, October 19th, Donald Trump won't say if he'll accept the results of the election. Here's one from PBS. Trump won't accept election results if he loses to uh, loses as Clinton expands campaign in the red states. October 21st, 2016. And then, of course, you have the actual potential for fraud, which or I'm sorry. So those are the older stories. But as of now, I show you this because there is an actual uh, probability that there will be some fraud that I'm kind of already seeing, in which case, even though people have mentioned in the past, Trump won't accept the results. You didn't have the same thing back then as as you have today. But let's go now to the pollster who predicted 2016, now saying Donald Trump will win in 2020 and what this means. Heavy says a new Wisconsin poll shows President Donald Trump with a small lead over Joe Biden. The poll is by Trafalgar Group, a pollster that correctly predicted Trump would win the Electoral College in 2016. Trafalgar Group had had the only polls showing Trump winning the battleground states of Pennsylvania and Michigan in the last election. The group also correctly predicted that Trump would win North Carolina. Most other polls got it wrong. The Trafalgar Group's 2020 Wisconsin and Michigan polls are outliers this year, too, as most other polls show Joe Biden breaking out with significant leads over the president. So you get you get the general idea. They go on to say that uh, they spoke with them and they're, they're predicting what many aren't. But if we move forward now, based on those outliers who are saying Trump might actually win these swing states, I highlight that to mention maybe Newsweek's prediction is wrong. But take a look at this. Professor who predicted Trump's 2016 win explains why he thinks Trump will win again. And this, this was from May 29th. The story was then repeated on June 20th. Trump's primary vote totals trounce previous incumbents numbers. With no serious challenges for the Republican Party nomination and high approval numbers among the GOP's rank and file, Trump could have cruised through the spring campaign season like most incumbent presidents do. Instead, he traveled to 18 states for campaign rallies and spent more than $155 million to rack up high primary vote totals for a nomination he had no chance of losing. This work gets interesting. I don't remember any uncontested primary campaign for a sitting president like this, Stony Brook University professor Helmut Norpoth Norpoth told The Post. People don't normally turn out in large numbers for a race without a challenger. But in 23 of the 27 states that held primaries both this year and in 2012, when President Obama ran for, for re-election, Trump has racked up higher raw vote totals than Obama did, often doubling or tripling 
his predecessor's numbers. His primary vote totals also beat George W. Bush's in 2004. The high Trump turnout showed up not only in reliably Republican states like Montana and Arkansas, but even in deep blue strongholds and in purple states that Joe Biden hopes to flip come November. Yes, the enthusiasm gap. We get it. More people, they just love to vote Trump and they're not backing down. If Joe Biden can't muster this vote, then why would we expect Trump to lose? Well, they're saying he's going to lose. First, I bring you back to the year 2016. Who will win the presidency? Hillary Clinton, 71.4, Donald Trump, 28.6. And as we know, Trump actually won. And I bring you now to another forecast model that has Joe Biden at 87.4 and Donald Trump at 12.6. Are we just seeing the same thing play out all over again? I don't know. The media might be wrong, though, for a few reasons. They're betting on people voting for Joe Biden. But what if the far left defects and votes Green Party, third party or Bernie and Joe Biden gets a a minority? Donald Trump gets a minority, but Donald Trump gets the plurality. Then Donald Trump wins or everybody loses. What happens if no one reaches 270 electoral votes or what happens if Donald Trump wins 271 because Democrats split? It's possible. But I think one of the big factors right now that's making it hard for us to understand what's really going on and what we can predict is the fact the media has been mashing our brains. I kid you not. I can't. It's it's hard to know what's happening. Maybe the confusion is on purpose or maybe people are just confused. But I bring you now. But I'm going to I'm going to segue this into how the far left is actually trying to help Trump win. And I think they may be. Before I do, I want to talk about the confusing state of the media. Politico reports. Trump admits it. (laughs) He's losing. Yep, that's right. Amid a mountain of bad polling and stark warnings from allies, the president has acknowledged his reelection woes to allies. Well, look at this sad, frumpy picture of the president looking down, knowing the end is nigh. It was a good four years, Trump, I suppose, for him and his supporters, but he just won't make it again. Well, that's Trump's own words. It's Trump's own words. Uh, What's this? MSNBC's Donnie Deutsch predicts Trump will drop out in the face of the biggest landslide defeat in U.S. history. That's right. Trump is sad. He knows he's going to lose and he's just getting ready for defeat. In fact, has Trump already lost? I mean, here's the New York Times, July 1st. There's a persuasive argument that the 2020 election is already over and Trump knows it. I mean, he admitted it, right? Politico reported Trump admitted he's going to lose. We all know it. See, Trump predicts big win. Wait, Trump predicts big win? In November, pointing to silent majority? Say what? That's from only a few days ago. So what is really happening? Honestly, I can't tell you. The media is telling us everything and other, just, they're telling us everything. They're saying Trump will win, Trump will lose, up is down, left is right. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what is happening. We're seeing a lot of the same stories. Trump will refuse refuse to accept the results of the election once again. But it was Democrats that refused to accept the results of of the election Maybe it's just a Trump victory. Maybe that's it. And I think it may be because the far left is actually going to help Trump win. I bring you now this tweet from Andy No. I've been citing him a lot today, you know, today because he covers the far left and he's been talking about what's been going on with this uprising, whatever you want to call it. Andy No tweeted, this four step plan for overthrowing the U.S. government was posted outside the federal courthouse that was attacked by Antifa last night in Portland. Step two says the U.S. economy the U.S. economy should, should be kept in tatters. I wonder if the Green Party supports this plan. And here's the poster stuck outside 
where Antifa was fighting with the police and U.S. Marshals. It says step one, vote Green Party in the November election to prevent a corporate shill candidate from being elected. Two, keep the country mostly shut down by way of strikes, boycotts, and peaceful demonstrations. Three, establish consensus on a plan for the new system. And four, persuade the National Guard to assist the majority in the overthrow of the state. It makes no sense. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen, to be completely honest. There's no real plan here. However, what if far lefties actually are entertaining the possibility of splitting from the Democrats, thus giving Trump the victory? A spoiler vote, as it were. I think it's very possible. Nay, I think they actually want it to happen. Take a look at this from Left Voice. If there is to be any future for the U.S. left, we must break with Sanders and the Democrats from June 30th, where they actually bring up that we need a new party. They say the urgent need uh, and the urgent need for an independent party of the working class that fights for socialism. Let me me read you the full sentence. The events unfolding since the beginning of 2020 bring renewed uh, relevance to the revolutionary ideas and beg for for a reassessment of the Bernie turn. DSA's relationship with the Democratic Party and the urgent need for an independent party of the working class that fights for socialism. What happens if the far left purposefully votes third party to spoil the Democrats, maybe because the regular lefty voters don't understand, maybe because they're convinced they can actually win and this spoils the vote and gets Donald Trump a victory. I think about it this way. A lot of young people don't like Joe Biden, don't want to vote for Joe Biden. You ever see that viral meme song of that young woman ch- chanting, please don't make me vote for Joe Biden? It is, it is top tier cringe, I tell you what. But what if it's legit? What if these young people really don't want to vote for Joe Biden? They want to vote for Bernie Sanders. Along come some activist organizers who want to foment revolution. The one way they can do it, they need Donald Trump to win. They really do. You see, Joe Biden represents for many people a return to normalcy, and it may placate people for some time because Joe Joe Biden isn't Bernie. He's not super far left. You may end up with conservatives really angry and on edge and, you know, right wing individuals fearful, but not crossing that line, to be completely honest. What happens if Donald Trump wins again? Regular liberal types can be easily radicalized because that's what they've been doing for the past four years. In 2016, I knew of a handful of far lefties who told me they voted for Trump, and they did because they thought of it as a chaos vote. They wanted Trump to win to shock people and cause everything to collapse faster. Well, now, as everyone hates Donald Trump, what would happen if he really won again? Perhaps the far left would go completely insane. And the organizers of the far left wanting to radicalize people want Trump to win. So when they talk about, you know, their their goals for a far left revolution— saying vote Green Party, maybe this is the only thing that matters. And there's a reason why it's number one. They can talk about a revolution or whatever. But what they're not telling you is that if you vote for Green, if you vote Green Party in large enough numbers, you might actually help Donald Trump win. I've seen a lot of people tell conservatives and moderates to vote for the uh, the Libertarian Party, but I think Trump supporters aren't going to back down. They love Trump. Andy No also posted this. You have been warned. It's a flyer calling for security professionals, personnel and uh, survivalists, like they're actually planning for something. But I can't tell you for sure what exactly they'll do or why they're doing it. Although it's possible they're doing it because they want to help Trump win. In the end, maybe nobody wins. Maybe no one cares who wins. Maybe they want Trump to win so they can accuse him of cheating. Maybe Trump accuses Biden of cheating. Maybe we're just sitting here speculating for fun, to be completely honest. Maybe Biden just has a clean win. Maybe Trump just has a clean win. I really 
I, I really don't know. What I can tell you is that the U.S. economy created 4.8 million jobs last month. A lot of people are very happy about this. The left certainly isn't. Maybe this just says Donald Trump is, is going to win because things are getting, uh, are getting better. Or how about the fact that we have this new ad posted by the Trump campaign and Donald Trump Jr. showing the far left rioting, and they say Biden is controlled by the radical left. More evidence that the far left may be inadvertently helping Donald Trump. Honestly, I don't know. I thought it would be fun to talk about this because we've had a lot of conversations about whether Trump is going to win or lose. But what happens if they both win? What happens if they both lose? I guess revolution, or as some would call it, civil war. And maybe that's what the far left really wants. But let's say we, we, we don't know for sure. Let's say Trump wins. It's four years. Let's say Biden wins. What happens after that? Interestingly, Carlson 2024. I kid you not. Tucker Carlson 2024. The GOP is buzzing. Seems crazy. Like, I don't buy it. I mean, he's super rich. Why would he give all that up? Because people think he would because he's very popular. He's got a huge show. Maybe. But a lot of people are getting scared of this possibility. A lot of far leftists, they think Tucker Carlson is the worst of the worst. They eat their own propaganda and then start to believe their own lies. In the end, let me tell you what. What if nobody wins? What do you think happens? Comment below if you're watching on YouTube. And we'll talk about it, I guess. To be completely honest, you know, I saw some comments earlier saying that uh, I I didn't know if Trump was going to win or lose, and I really don't. What I do know is people are saying no one will accept the results. If that's the case, what comes next? Next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. Stick around and I will see you all there. It's now been over a month, a month and maybe a week or so that the riots in many places just haven't stopped. I got to admit, I'm not enthused to even be talking about it. Riot declared in Portland cops order protesters to leave or face arrest. I don't think this is a riot or a protest. It's something else. And I don't know what you'd call it. It's not like the violence is enough to be overtly civil war. But you look at the, you got to look at some of these photos, man. According to Andy Noe, he says the U.S. military was brought in to deal with the ongoing unrest uh, and make some arrests. I don't know uh, for sure exactly what's going on or why. But in Seattle and Portland last night, you just had, I don't know, insurrection. I don't know what you call it, a separatist movement. If you have a bunch of revolutionaries that are using militant tactics, driving around in unmarked vehicles loaded with weapons and resupplying far left extremists to attack police and try and destroy government buildings. It's not a protest or a riot. You know what I mean? You could theoretically call it. It could technically fall in those camps, but it's something else. And it's just not stopping. I don't know how (laughs) or or, uh, what needs to be done to actually stop it. But these 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 extremists are just going to keep doing it. We're going to keep hearing about it. And here's the latest news. So uh, the, the, the quick gist in Portland, riot was declared in Seattle. They tried reestablishing the Chaz. Ten arrests were made. And this is where we're at so far. Unsurprisingly, it is in the Pacific Northwest where we imagine this would be happening. But I got I got to tell you, man, I can't show you some of these videos, but I can show you some stills. It looks like war zones. I mean, it, it looks like areas that have, that I've seen that have become, you know, just, it's, it looks like, it looks like some kind of civil war territory. 
You've got buildings. The, the ground is riddled with graffiti. The walls. People are th- these Antifa people are using tactics specifically designed not to cross a certain threshold. They want to make sure that their attacks are sustained but blunted, so that you can't outright declare it to be an act of you know legitimate insurgency. They want the media to say it's a protest. Look at this. Even Fox says riot declared in Portland. Cops order protesters to leave or face arrest. They're not protesters, man. They're, they're, they're using unmarked vehicles to deliver explosives to their comrades who are then lobbing them at cops and, and U.S. military. That's something else. Something else entirely. I, I can't. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I, I guess people in media, even Fox News, are reluctant to actually call this something more extreme because nobody wants to believe it. You know, I remember reading a story about the first civil war, right? The actual United States Civil War that it broke out at Fort Sumner. Union forces were there. And I think it was South Carolina. South Carolina said, yo, bug off. They said no. Fighting broke out. But the story I heard, and it could be apocryphal, maybe it's wrong, was that people had gathered on a hillside watching and having picnics because they really didn't believe it would ever happen. And then while they're sitting there enjoying their tea and crumpets, fighting broke out. People died and they were horrified. Now, that's just a story I heard. So again, you can just Google it probably and see if it's sure or not. But I feel like we're dealing with something similar right now. Maybe it will never reach wide scale, you know, like widespread levels in uh, Seattle and Portland. We kind of shrug because we're like, we get it. They're bad. But this is this, this is part of the tactic used by the far left extremists. They know that if they come out right now and declare independence, or if they come out right now and declare insurrection or call the United States government illegitimate in a grand speech and then declare an, a formal statement of you know, war or conflict, they'll be crushed in two seconds. So long as the media keeps calling them protesters and they just say, we're just peacefully protesting and then use military tactics, militant tactics, well, then no one's ever, they're, they're not going to be shut down. Donald Trump is going to be deploying Federal Protective Services as well as a special DHS unit on the 4th of July tomorrow to protect statues and monuments. But, and, 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 and they're going, my understanding is to Seattle, Portland, and DC. So there's a real potential for chaos. The media, of course, is still defending these people. And I don't know why. I, I really, really don't. They're so, I don't know, man. I feel like there, there are a lot of people that are on the Trump train, right? They just, whatever Trump says, they're right there. And then the media has the inverse of that. No matter what Trump says, they're on the other train and the other track. And most people are sitting in the middle saying, what's happening? And that includes a lot of people who have voted for Trump, a lot of people who didn't. And I, I feel like I'm sitting here watching, you know, Donald Trump is going to deploy these federal protective services. The far left is engaging in overt acts of insurrection and insurgency, and they're trying to mask it. And you have these people on the, so, so here's what I'm trying to say. The people on the right, the Trump trained people and people who would like not necessarily every hardcore Trump supporter are in agreement that something crazy is happening with the far left. But because the far, the, 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 the media people hate Trump so much, everything he says, everything Fox says must be a lie. It must not be true. So certainly this is fake news. Fox News says a riot was declared. I don't believe it. There's a, a tweet coming out from Andrew Kaczynski of CNN that I see journalists sharing. It's a screen grab of a Fox News article saying, from June 2nd saying uh, Antifa arrests are coming as rioters prepare to head to the suburbs, government source says. 
And he said something like, oh, I guess we're still waiting on this one. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean we're still waiting on this one? I live in the suburbs. The helicopters were near my house. I mean, I can't speak for every single suburb everywhere, but at least outside of major cities. Yeah. And I heard, I heard similar things were happening in Chicago and people were freaking out. I have family there and they said people showed up and they, they rioted. So, okay, the riots happened. What about Antifa arrests? Yeah, they just announced the other day they arrested a ton of people and we've got videos of arrests. But people, this, this K file dude over at CNN is like, I guess we're still waiting on this one because it hasn't happened yet. Do you have Google? Did you just look it up? It's, it's happened. I'm looking at it. What is this? That's the media. And so it's funny because people often say that the media is not going to tell you what's happening. Well, they do. It's an issue of their high profile personalities who refuse to put it into the news cycle. So yes, low level reporters will write up a story and press send. It'll appear on their website. And then the actual high, high level anchors, primetime hosts and high level personalities on the internet won't talk about it and will in fact lie and say it's not happening. That's what's really, really crazy. In fact, I'm willing to bet I could pull up a scene in an article where they say Trump makes arrest of, you know, far left protests, whatever. And then just like, juxt- like put that next to uh, K Files tweet. Like, anyway, let's read the news and see what the latest is, because we got they, look, they tried bringing Chaz back. Riot, riot declared in Portland. Cops order protesters to leave or face arrest. They say police described a chaotic scene. They said several protesters were starting fires, throwing rocks at officers, pointing lasers at officers and launching projectiles with slingshots at officers. Now, I don't know if the police actually called them protesters. They say to the individuals within the S- Southwest Broadway Avenue, the street is open to vehicular traffic, uh, failure to comply. They said individuals. I guess it's one way to put it. It's non-political. Andy No, the journalist posted a video of the unrest near the federal courthouse that said that he said showed the U.S. military protecting the building that was under attack. They rushed out and made an arrest here, he posted. Antifa have been trying to set the building on fire for hours. So he said law enforcement in downtown Portland have been under attack for hours at the federal courthouse by Antifa extremists. They hurl projectile weapons at police. And when officers respond, go on social media tagging politicians and lawyers claiming police brutality. This is a fact. I can't speak for these individual moments, but I can tell you definitively one of the principal tactics of far leftists, Antifa, whatever you want to call them, is to, for example, they'll throw a brick at a cop's face and then they'll walk up. And when the cop goes to attack them, then they start filming and they go, help, help, I'm being repressed. And then they try and always stage it out to be like they're peaceful protesters. You need to understand these people. A lot of them are frail pathetic, weak, and stupid. And we make fun of them a lot. But a lot of the organizers are smart and manipulative and are trying to destroy everything. Now, they are also very stupid in terms of what they think comes next. But you got to understand as well, some of them know exactly what they're doing. From the ashes of the old, they will build anew. They know life will get miserable and horrifying for everyone if they succeed. But they will be able to seize power in the chaos. It's, 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 these are, these people are evil, power-driven, self-interested lunatics. And I've, I've, I've talked to them. I've met them before. They were at Occupy Wall Street. And again, everyone's always like, say their names, Tim. Listen, I don't want them to get attention. I don't want them to be able to go and post blogs and recruit. Some of them don't want their names said for sure, but many people would use the opportunity. So no, you can follow Andy No on Twitter. And he talks about the organizers with their arrests and all that stuff. And you can see who these people are when they get caught. A lot of them, probably people probably don't know their names, but they use very clever strategies. 
So right now you can see here's here's a video. There's a, there's a man and he's sitting down filming and you can see the police moving out with weapons. They always, always want to post. See, this is why Andy knows is a problem. They'll take a, a three minute video where you can see the far left throwing bricks, throwing explosives. They'll cut out those parts. So all you see is someone with their hands up and the cops just like knocking them down and arresting them. And they'll go, look what they're doing. It was peaceful. It was a peaceful protest, man. When in reality, it's a manipulation tactic to get public opinion on their side, which is one of the most annoying things to me about Trump and many people on the right. They don't understand that game. So they'll start posting stupid things that are racist, that are insulting. Trump will insult people and they don't realize how that is used by Antifa and the far left to gain support. They will pull your statements out of context to make you look bad. So don't give them the ammunition they need. And he said police in the downtown area were under attack for hours. We read that. And Wednesday night, anarchists in the city said, you know, you know what? I'm just so sick of the anarchists. No, they're not anarchists. They're, they're revolutionary communists. They destroyed a statue of an, a 120-year-old elk statue. It had been the target before, according to Oregon Live. Portland Police Bureau Chief Chuck Lovell said in a statement, engaging in criminal activity, including vandalism and property damage is not peaceful demonstration. We ask for the public's help in identifying and sharing information. Let me, let me, let me just break things down for you, man. A month, a month and or longer of these people. Look at this. Look at the graffiti. And, and, and you got people. And he says they're U.S. military. Maybe they're National Guard. I'm not entirely sure. Making an arrest. Look at some of this imagery. The, 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 these buildings are under siege. They've been doing this for over a month. At what point do you say this is not a protest? How stupid do you have to be to, to, to make a statement where you're like, damaging and property destruction are not peaceful demonstrations. They're not peacefully demonstrating. They haven't been peacefully demonstrating. Why are you even pretending like that's the case? You point out these people have been placing Portland under siege in a sustained attack to cripple the city for over a month. Are they effective? That I can't tell you. How's the economy doing? That I don't know. It may be that these these skirmishes aren't particularly effective, but you can see what their goal is. It's a battle of attrition. They want people to be demoralized. They want regular people who live in the city to leave. They want it to crumble. They want to tear it all down. And they know they can feign being the peaceful protesters, putting out propaganda, and then they will, they, they will be ignored by the press, which it's, they are. And that's what's happening. As these people get arrested, all right, as they branch out into the neighborhoods, like we saw in Chicago, the media will just run cover for them because these people are as dumb as they come. Just absolutely, absolutely insanely stupid. Let me see if I have the tweet here. So this is some uh, more chop stuff. Let me see. Uh, Here we go. Andrew Kaczynski. He said, I guess we're still waiting on this. From June 2nd, Antifa arrests coming. Concerns over riots heading to to suburbia, government source says. I'm I'm, I'm confused by this. I saw this. This is this is Andrew Kaczynski of uh, I believe he's still CNN. Yeah. Reporter at CNN's K file. He's got uh, he's, he's got 326,000 followers. Ben Smith of the New York Times, who I actually think is doing a good job, uh, retweeted this. And I'm sitting here confused. I'm, I'm, I'm actually confused. Uh, the DOJ uh, announced uh, uh, suspects, 15 individuals. They announced charges against four people. They arrested one. The other day arrested another guy who was trying to tear down the Andrew Jackson statue. The arrests have been happening. I mean, not just that. To what context are they talking about Antifa arrests? In Portland, they literally arrested a bunch of people. 
How about over in Seattle? Update. J- July 3rd, 5.30 a.m., shortly after 10 p.m. on Thursday, officers arrested three people outside the West Precinct for property destruction. Beginning at about 1 a.m. on Friday, officers arrested seven individuals near Broadway and East Pine Street for assault, harassment, and failure to disperse. The arrested individuals were later booked into the King County Jail. Okay, so Antifa has been arrested, not just by the DOJ, but Seattle PD, Portland PD, people in Washington, D.C., and Chicago. The arrests have been happening. But if you want to talk about federal government, if that's the context, they literally arrested people. Now it says concerns over riots heading to suburbia. There was a concern over it heading to suburbia. In Chicago, a leaked phone call between the mayor and several aldermen, which are like uh, neighborhood politicians, you, you, you hear one of these aldermen saying, when you shut the bridges down, you pushed them out into the neighborhoods. So outside of the city area into, so the way, I don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar with how Chicago works, but you have downtown, which is mostly big buildings, many apartments, condos. Once you start moving away from downtown, it slowly starts turning into residential neighborhoods. If you ever uh, have seen Chicago overhead, you could be like downtown Chicago. You can be in the Sears Tower. I won't call it Willis, uh, the Willis Tower, whatever you want to call it. It's the tallest building in Chicago. And you can look out and you'll see after only a few miles, it's all grids of identical looking houses. It, it really is quite boring, if you ask me. There's actually several neighborhoods like the neighborhood I grew up in where they use the same framework for building every single house because a company will come in and say, here's the, you know, here's the blueprints for the house. We're going to build 50 of them. When the, bridges, when the bridges were shut down, rioters started branching off into areas that were literally just houses throughout Chicago. And this freaked people out and they got really, really angry. So the closer you get to downtown, the more you'll see like uh, townhomes or like three flats, apartment buildings. And as you slowly branch out, it becomes individual houses, but it's very, very much a big grid. That was one of the biggest fears. Now, outside of actual neighborhoods in Chicago, because I, I have family in Chicago, I was told by several people, friends and family who had not been talking to each other. Yeah, rioters had gone out to the suburbs. There, there were some people freaking out as to why they made it to the far west suburbs. Like I'm talking like 40 miles outside the city. How did that happen? Where I live, helicopters, sirens going crazy. They had to shut the bridges down in Philadelphia. So what are you trying to say? I don't know. Maybe I'm missing an inside joke. Maybe there's something I don't quite understand. But the arrests have been happening. The, 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 it was, so you're, you're, you're talking about the concerns over them heading to, to suburbia? Okay. Well, they ended up doing it anyway. So what is the point? And then here's, here's the first response. You know, sometimes I think those Fox News folks can be kind of disingenuous and hyperbolic. Do these people not read any of the news? The craziest thing to me is CNN's reported on this. NBC is reported on this. How have we gotten to the point where he's got to be lying, right? K-File is trying to be disingenuous to manipulate people, ignoring what's really going on, I guess. So what we ended up seeing in Portland is, as I described, militant tactics. Here's what Andy Noe said. Antifa cars carrying supplies are driving around the area and helping their comrades. They've concealed their license plates by covering them up. And we heard similar things in Seattle from SPD. Officers are investigating several vehicles circling the area of today's operation. Police have observed individuals in their vehicles with firearms and armor. 
The vehicles also appear to be operating without visible license plates. It's not a protest. It's something else. I don't know what you want to call it. Armed insurrection? Fine. Call it something else. You do not have vehicles with no license plates in the Pacific Northwest driving around resupplying far left extremists while they have armor and weapons and call it a demonstration. At this point, there's no need to argue. Well, actually, when you start throwing explosives at cops, it's not a peaceful demonstration anymore. What? How is that even a statement that someone would make? Apparently, that's that's literally what they're what, what they're saying. You know, they're, they're I don't I don't have to tell you, man, it's no longer a peaceful demonstration. People are going to start defending themselves. And I think it's it's now on the media to call this something different. I mean, a lot of people have called it insurrection, perhaps. I, I don't know if we can uh, if we can call this level of conflict civil war, but it is fourth and fifth generational warfare, as I've talked about before. And, and don't quote me. Look, the, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating what other other experts in national security have talked about. Right. I pulled up several articles on it in the past. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on, 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 on how these things operate. But what you need to understand about what Antifa is doing is they're purposefully trying to avoid having this be designated some kind of uprising or civil war on purpose. Now, here's the, here, here's, here's the important factor. What, what's going on right now may end. It, it may be crushed. The feds may come in tomorrow. These people might come out and they all, they all, they all might get arrested and brought down to D.C. or some other federal courthouse and uh, imprisoned. And maybe that's the end of it. And if it is, we're not going to act like a civil war ever happened. However, if this escalates to become a nationwide something, you know, conflict crisis hitting every major city, and I'm not talking about how the riots and looting happened because that was bad. I'm talking about how Antifa is driving around with these vehicles with weapons, you know, and they're engaging in these tactics. If that actually ends up hitting hitting every city and it's sustained and we do fall into a discernible something that's, that's very visibly civil war, Everything we're seeing now will be considered part of it. This is where it's where it's very, very tricky. Whenever it comes to the media, uh, people are, are reluctant to actually be the first to up the terminology. And I've talked about this years ago. Antifa are terrorists. The, the word Antifa is a, a general descriptor for an ideology. It's a, it's, it's a tribal symbol they use to identify each other, to support each other because they have the same or similar goals. The only reason there's no visible structure is it's a tactic to prevent the government from shutting them down. So they can talk, they can, they, they'll call each other. They'll provide support for each other. They'll all show up in the same place. But the cells operate semi-independently on purpose to be very difficult to stop. At a certain point, okay, these people are terrorists, right? This is the, this is the issue. They're engaging in violence against the public and civilians in order to force an ideology upon this country. And they are gaining ground because people are scared. I have heard so many stories from people in high profile positions, famous people, celebrities, people you would you'd be shocked if I told you some of the people who have contacted me and I tell them you have to say something. I'm not talking about going out, putting on a MAGA hat and waving a Trump flag. I'm saying just coming out and being like, hey, man, I don't stand for this. They won't do it because they're scared of the violence. That's the goal. Antifa is purposefully amorphous so that they can show up to your house and threaten your family. And they know the media will never say anything about it. It is death by a thousand cuts. So how do you deal with it? Call it what it is. These people are terrorists. Okay. It's a stupid word, admittedly. But what they're doing is not rebellion. 
It's, they call it a revolution. They'll call it an uprising. They'll say they're the heroes of their own story. But when you beat civilians, when you shoot someone in Provo for just driving their car, unex- when you target innocent people, that's what's make, making you a terrorist. You are threatening regular people and forcing them to get on their knees. And you know what? People are doing it. I don't want to lose my business. That's pathetic. I don't care about your business. And to be honest, I don't care about mine if it came down to risking our freedoms. So many people are so scared of the, of the pile of gold that they've hoarded. They, don't want to, they wouldn't give it up for anything. I tell you what, the dragon sitting atop their pile of gold in their cave, terrified that the adventurers will come and take it away, won't say anything, won't speak up. I would give every ounce of gold, figuratively, for freedom, for, for civility, for rational discourse, for progress. Every ounce of gold hoarded in my cave would freely be given up if it would purchase me freedom, the right to speak up and stand on my own two feet. But too many people say, but I need my gold. And this is one of the most annoying things in the world, to me at least. I remember I had someone tell me uh, they wanted to do what I did back when I was working for Vice Traveling the World. I really want to travel the world just like you, Tim. I want to do everything you're doing. And I said, so go do it. Well, I don't have the money to do it. Okay, well, you have a, an apartment in Brooklyn, which costs you $1,000 a month. Downsize, go sleep on a couch, lower the amount you're spending in rent, bring on some roommates, save that money up. And in a month, you'll have extra cash to buy a plane ticket to whatever country you want and start filming. But I like my apartment. Ah, and there it is. Let's, let, let, me, let, let me make something clear. To all of these people who refuse to stand up and say no to this, to call it what it is. I'm not talking about going out and protesting. I'm not talking about, you know, any, anything other than you just saying enough. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. That's it. Tell the people around you, nah, I'm not okay with this and I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've, you've all gone nuts. Say, what, say whatever you want to say. Just stand up for yourself. Be polite about it. Be calm. But let me just tell you something. What you're really saying to me and everyone else when you refuse to speak up in a way that I might or many others might actually go one step further what you're really saying is, I care less about my rights and my freedom. I care less about the future for my children than I do about my immediate comfort and wealth. That's about it. Because everything I've achieved, everything I've gained, everything I own, I would freely give up if it meant I guaranteed my freedom. Every single thing. You know why? Because I know I'll be okay. Maybe you'll say, it's easy for you to say, Tim, you don't have kids. Yeah. Maybe it is, but I can only imagine the level of callousness you must have if you're like, I don't care that my children will have no freedom and will be subjected to this, that they will be threatened with beatings, that they will be attacked in the street and accused of all the worst things in the world. That's shocking to me. How many people, I, I, I can't tell you how many people I've, I've talked to who said they don't know if they want to have kids anymore because they're scared of the future. And what, what about the people who do have kids? Are you really just going to let all this happen so that you, your, ch- your children can inherit your pile of ashes? That to me, I just don't understand. So by all means, criticize me for saying that, whatever. It's not going to stop anytime soon. And tomorrow's the 4th of July, and there's supposed to be a bunch of high profile events. We're going to be having FPS and DHS deployed. And there's fears things could spark up, but I guess we'll see. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. And I will see you all then. How many deaths can we now attribute directly to CNN or any other journalist who told people not to get hydroxychloroquine? How many deaths can we attribute to governors who blocked the prescription of hydroxychloroquine? 
Study finds hydroxychloroquine helped coronavirus patients survive better from CNN. Wow. And I can't believe CNN actually published this article. Nothing makes sense. Maybe that's the point. I have no idea, but literally nothing makes sense. There is a tweet going around from the Surgeon General saying, do not wear a mask. They don't work. Now they're saying you have to wear a mask, even though three weeks ago they said no asymptomatic transmission. So why am I wearing a mask if asymptomatic individuals can't transmit COVID? Nothing makes sense. I suppose I can defer to uh, Bill Burr, who said, just turn on the news. And if they say wear a mask, you just wear a mask, I guess. We defer to the experts. The only problem is the news are not the experts. And right now, the latest statement that we have from the World Health Organization is when it comes to asymptomatic transmission, we just don't know. Here I am doing another segment on the coronavirus. The coronavirus to most people, it's over. The, the, the news, nothing. It's having zero impact. Restaurants, businesses are slowly starting to reopen. I actually went out to eat a couple days ago. It was amazing. Or last week. It was awesome. It was in a tent outside, mind you, but it was great to sit down and order food and have the food come. It's been fantastic. Here's the big issue. Donald Trump for a long time had been saying hydroxychloroquine looks promising and he himself was taking it. You actually had uh, Cavuto over on Fox News say, don't do this. Don't. It could kill you. What a moron. You know, what my statement always was I defer to the doctors. Always, always defer to your doctor. Ignore this. Ignore Trump. Ignore CNN. Talk to your doctor. The only problem, because of the media, politicians had been issuing orders barring the prescription of hydroxychloroquine. Why? It's been around forever. It's an anti-malarial. We know, we know the safety. We know the restrictions. We know what you got to do. And, and, and all that really matters, I'm not going to pretend to know. I just asked my doctor. My doctor says, yes, go for it. There's a viral video from one doctor who was interviewed, I believe by, uh, I believe uh, Elijah of Slightly Offensive. He goes by Slightly Offensive. I think this may have been you. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it was somebody else, Elijah. But uh, this doctor is saying, we, we prescribe this stuff all the time. It's safe. And then all of a sudden we're told not to do it. And it's weird. Something like that. And it is weird. CNN has now published a story which is going viral. And I want to show you a bunch of contradictory information just to talk about how confusing things are right now. I'm going to show you current news articles that, look, man, YouTube may outright delete this video. 100% may outright just delete it because they say that you can't tell people to do things that are dangerous. Okay, I'm not trying to do that. All I'm going to do is show you CNN and, and Daily Mail NBC five Chicago. I'm going to show you these stories. And what I what, what you should always do is just defer to your doctor. I am trying to criticize the media for nonsensical, confusing statements that are making everyone go nuts. And all you need to do is make sure that you're you, you are following the instructions of your doctor. If your doctor wants you to wear a mask, wear a mask. If your doctor wants you to take medication, they prescribe it. Do so. Here's the story. CNN says a surprising new study found that the controversial anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine helped patients better survive in the hospital. <laughs> it's not controversial. Hydroxychloroquine has been around for a long time. It is not controversial. CNN, you and others in the media made it controversial. And the only reason you're surprised by it is because you had been propping up these stories saying it was bad when there were several stories saying it was fine and that we it's been approved for a long time and people were just talking about off-label use. How amazing is this? They're saying right now, it actually could save your life. It could help you survive better. 
How many people were not given the opportunity because of the media? A team at Henry Ford Health System in Southeast Michigan said Thursday, its study of 2,541 hospitalized patients found that those given hydroxychloroquine were much less likely to die. Dr. Marcus Zervos, a division head of infectious disease for Henry Ford Health System, said 26% of those not given hydroxychloroquine died compared to 13% of those who got the drug. The team looked back at everyone treated in the hospital system since the first patient in March. Overall crude mortality rates were 18.1% in the entire cohort, 13.5% in the hydroxychloroquine alone group, 20.1% among those receiving hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin, 22.4% among the azithromycin alone group, and 26.4% for neither drug. So it looks like straight hydroxychloroquine actually helped. It's a surprising finding because several other studies have found no benefit from hydroxychloroquine, a drug originally developed to treat and prevent malaria. President Trump touted the drug heavily, but later studies found not only did patients not do better if they got the drug, they were more likely to suffer cardiac side effects. But that's a known side effect. The crazy thing about this is that CNN is not only saying this study shows it could help you survive, but that the worst case scenario for the most part was no benefit. Is, is, is that it? We're, we're shutting down. The economy is crippled and destroyed because these governors are freaked out because the media is propping up these stories, man. The US FDA withdrew its emergency use authorization for the drug earlier this month and trials around the world, including trials sponsored by the World Health Organization, were halted. Our results do differ from some other studies. What we think was important in ours is that patients were treated early. For hydroxychloroquine to have a benefit, it needs to begin before the patients begin to suffer some of the severe immune reactions that patients can have with COVID. The Henry Ford team also monitored patients carefully for heart problems. The combination of hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin was reserved for selected patients with severe COVID-19 and with minimal cardiac risk factors. They, uh, I guess they went on to say, or one doctor said, it's important to note that in the right settings, this potentially could be a lifesaver for patients. Remember that Democrat in Michigan? She took hydroxychloroquine when she contracted COVID and she said it saved her life and she praised Trump for it. She was a Democrat and she got censured because of it. The Democrats attacked her for it. This is getting scary, man. Everything that's going on in this country is just getting, it's, it's just, it's pure insanity. YouTube is going to start banning everybody because there's, there's no truth. There's obviously objective truth that exists, but among the media distilleries, there is no truth. So now the latest is it works, right? I get it. It's one study. And you're going to hear people say it was only one study. Don't take it as you. Look, man, we've had studies early on that said it was good. We had studies that said no benefit. Some studies said people got cardiac issues. And now another study saying it could save your life. So which is it? I understand science isn't, uh, it, it changes and it's sometimes wrong. But right now, the only thing we really know is that we know nothing. And this article is a complete waste of everyone's time. The only thing I can take away from this is that as long as hydroxychloroquine is what was approved for uh, anti-malarial use and your doctor says they want you to take it, just listen to whatever your doctor says. Ignore the media and ignore the president. Okay, Trump can say all the all the things he wants. That's fine. Talk to your doctor. If your doctor gives you advice, follow your doctor's advice. You know, Trump's going to say things that he thinks right, and that's fine. He's not a doctor. Okay. now, as for the media that was screeching, it'll kill you. That's insane. You know, the thing about Cavuto saying it would kill you was nightmarish because what happens if, if someone's doctor said to them, you really need to take this? And they went, but 
But Cavuto said, I'll die. And they don't take it. They get scared. They don't do it. Now you've actually got people in media. And it's not just him, not, not, not to pick on him, but he really did say it. But all these other people get scaring people and convincing them not to listen to their doctors. That to me is nuts. Well, let's talk about masks. First of all, wear a mask. I mean, this is the weirdest thing to me. I know there are a lot of people who don't want to wear masks. I wear a mask when I'm entering close proximity or I'm entering a building and then I take it off outside. I don't know. uh, To me, that seems like what you're supposed to do. Apparently, there are a lot of people that wear masks even outside, which makes very little sense. If I'm going to be walking near somebody, I've got a mask. I'll, I'll put a mask on. Fine. The issue is more about. I don't believe it's actually about transmission, in my opinion, but that's that's irrelevant. I think wearing a mask is just not a big deal. I really don't. And you can get some cool masks, man. I've seen some people have some pretty cool masks, whatever. I just don't know why it matters. Some people have tried asserting it's an issue of liberty. I've seen this viral meme where they're saying it's like just a mask. And then what? And I'm like, dude, you can take it off. You know what I mean? Like the worst case scenario for not wearing a mask is someone is mean to you. Well, except for some states where they're actually going to fine you if you don't wear a mask. I find the whole thing weird. But I bring you now to the early, to early June. This is only three weeks ago. Three, three weeks ago. Coronavirus spread by asymptomatic people appears very to be very rare. Appears to be rare. World Health Organization official, set, official says. Okay. All right. Hold on. The World Health Organization said it's, a, it's a very rare. I believe the actual quote is, is very rare. But they said, they said it appears to be rare. It seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. If that's the case, why is everybody wearing a mask? I don't know. They say it's because you could be asymptomatic and not realize it. Maybe it's because they view people as just generally stupid, right? The idea being that you might be sick and have symptoms, but just be like, oh, I don't care. So they're, they're, they're thinking just make everybody wear a mask. And then you make sure all the sick people are wearing masks, right? Sure. The funny thing, I, even Trump came out recently, I guess, and said masks are fine. I like Trump said that I, I don't know if this is true because you always, the media is always lying. But apparently he said something about like, I look like the Lone Ranger. I thought that was funny. Sure. I really don't understand where this political thing happened where people don't want to wear masks. To me, I just find it silly. And I've had people say to me, but your oxygen level goes down. I'm like, I, I don't be, I don't think I don't think that's true, man. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I watched a bunch of videos. I did a lot of reading. I just don't see why it matters all that much. Sure. And maybe you disagree. Feel free to give me your reasoning why you think masks are an issue. Here's what I do. Am I wearing a mask? No. When I go outside to wear a mask? No. When I go to Walgreens, where I'm going to be in the store for about 10 minutes to grab something, do I, do I wear a mask? Yes. And many of the stores where I'm at make you wear a mask. But there are a lot of places, like I went out to eat, you, ain't got, you don't got to wear a mask. You go to the restaurant, you do your thing, you, you don't got to wear a mask. But anyway, I, I don't want to get into too much. The point I'm pointing out, CNN right here, this is CNN, okay, saying, very rare, says who? Now, the World Health Organization came back later and said, we just don't know. Okay. So, so I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what the point of all these articles is. I, I don't know. What I can tell you is that nothing makes sense. You got the Democrats saying one thing, the Republicans saying one thing. You got Fauci saying one thing. Fauci seems to have gone off his rocker. I'm sorry, man. The dude has completely lost it. This is a guy who has flip-flopped so much. He must be spinning in circles with how confused he is. And I've given that guy a lot of praise. So that's why I'm just like, hey, man, politics it's muck, mucking up everything. The best thing you do, ask your doctor. It's that simple, right? Your doctor will probably tell you to wear a mask in certain circumstances, right? 
It's that easy. And your doctor will probably tell you what's safe and what isn't. And you just got to trust the person you think has got your best interest. But Fauci, man, this guy has spun around in circles so much. I got no idea what's going on. He keeps saying different things. And so does the media. This is why you got to tune this stuff out. Check us out. This one's great. You're going to love this one. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti now admits protests in the city did lead to a spike in coronavirus cases after he previously insisted there was no link. Oh, there we go. You know, they just put out a study saying that the protests are slowing COVID down. Now we have the study showing us, uh, I'm sorry, the story where Mayor Garcetti is admitting what everyone already knew. The Democrats are cheering on massive protests and then lying and saying everything will be fine. Why are you trying to get the Black Lives Matter activists killed? Now we're seeing a major spike in people between the ages of 20 and 29. I wonder what caused that. And they say it was clearly the bars. I'm sorry, dude. People older than 29 go to bars. People who are 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, they go to bars too. And they're currently going to bars. So you want to argue that it's actually the bars that are getting everyone sick. Old people aren't going to protests in large numbers like young people are. So thank you, Mayor Garcetti, for now admitting it. We know where the spike is coming from. Now, there's some other guideline changes that have been making their way around. Really interesting stuff that I can't necessarily uh, confirm yet. So look, man, what do we know right now? That a few weeks ago, even, even for the ongoing month, you know, we've seen these massive, massive protests, and they insist that wearing a mask is preventing the spread of COVID. I believe it's fair to say, because I've seen a lot of the protests, and I've actually looked at a lot of footage. I've gone through this quite a bit. I've looked, gone through tons of videos, tons of articles, tons of photos. And it looks like, for the most part, the Black Lives Matter activists do wear masks. Not every single person. But are the masks enough to stop the spread? The answer is no. If you've seen any of the data, then you would know that two people wearing a mask have an extremely low likelihood of transmission, but it still exists. It's, I think, around like 5% probability compared to like 30, 40 or higher if you're not wearing a mask at all and you're spitting on each other. That says to me that if you're all sweaty, if you're huffing and puffing and you're shoulder to shoulder, you are going to spread coronavirus. And now we're seeing the charts where the massive spikes are occurring. Why did the media try to lie about this? Or are they just stupid? Honestly, don't know. But I'll tell you what's re- what, what, what I think the worst part is. Chicago issues travel order requiring anyone traveling uh, to or from these 15 states to quarantine. This is July 2nd. New York, I believe, has, has put in place more quarantine orders. New York is now locking down. Texas is now locking down. Chicago is putting in new orders. And it seems like we're getting ready for that second wave. But no one knows what's happening. No one has any idea what's going on, why it's happening. Is that the point? I don't know. But let's go back to the first, the, 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 the most important issue here. You can shut down the economy. You can tell people not to go to bars. But when you cost people their lives, this to me is, is the most shocking thing. They hate Trump so much. They refuse to acknowledge anything he says to the point where the Babylon Bee satirical article has come true. You ever see it? It says, ingenious move, Trump comes out in support of impeachment, forcing Democrats to oppose. I kid you not. Right now, Donald Trump is trying to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan, and I am excited about the move. I do not think we should be spending our resources doing nation building in Afghanistan. I'm sorry, Afghanistan, you're going to be on your own on this one. And I understand there's a lot of problems over there, but they're not the only country with problems. So any of these arguments about the Taliban or like, you know, a vacuum, there's a vacuum in a lot of places, dude. Are we going to send U.S. troops literally everywhere? 
And here's where we've come to today. When I talk to my liberal friend, I do air quotes, and I'm like, what do you think about Trump's plan to pull our troops out of Afghanistan? Like, I don't know about that. I mean, is the mission even complete at this point? Is this is reckless? And it's going to, what? You kidding me? These people have no principles. Nothing makes sense. I'm sitting here with a checklist of like, here are the things I think make sense. Most of them are actually liberal positions. Not anymore, I guess, because now it is a far right position to want your troops back. This is the craziest, man. I'm just I'm just getting sick and tired of whatever it is. The media says, the activists say, maybe the confusion's on purpose. No one knows who or what's going on. All they know is Trump is bad. It really does feel like they actually want Donald Trump to win. I kid you not. CNN didn't have to write this story. They didn't have to publish this. And now it's going viral. They'll argue, well, this just proves that we are principled and we're writing the real story when it comes out. Don't get mad at us that we just reported what was said. The hosts of CNN's primetime shows say stupid, insane things. And all of these journalists, activists, were looking for evidence to make it seem like hydroxychloroquine was bad. We had multiple studies saying it was good. We have known for decades that it's safe. Yet because Trump was like, this looks good, they said it was bad. Trump had journalists saying, aren't you giving Americans false hope? And Trump's like, what? Should I be pessimistic? Should I just tell people the end is nigh? That's insane. The activists were so just adamant on saying Trump is dumb. Their obsession is not with being right at all. You know what I noticed, right? They say a broken clock is right twice a day. But how the Democrats have been wrong on almost every single issue. I kid you not. I love citing the Intercept story, the 20, 20 Russiagate's things that were, turned out, they, were, they, they were corrected within days. Now look at this. Andrew Cuomo and many other governors apparently sent infected COVID patients into nursing homes. That's on them. And now we have the, the other activists who have made everything worse by blocking hydroxychloroquine or pushing this narrative in their obsession to be tribalistic, to just hate Trump. They've actually killed people. Why? I just don't get it. I really, really don't. I don't understand if maybe it's just a, you know, I've, I've called it a chaotic, destructive force in the past. They have no principles. They have no goals. They just have what's next in terms of hate, hate, hate. I hate Trump. I hate this. I hate that. Anything that gives them the, the, the righteous anger and fuels their hate, they will, they will absorb, even if it's contradictory. So Trump can come out and say, the sky is blue. And they'll all laugh and say, Trump's so dumb. The sky is black. The blue is just an illusion created by refracting light particles in the, in the moisture in the air. What a, what a moron. Then Trump could come out and say, the sky is actually black. It's the refracting particles. And they say, oh, that's technically not true. Okay, everybody knows that the sky is blue. You see how the game is played? So Trump can come out and say hydroxychloroquine is safe. And they'll come out and say, well, actually... Because everything's a technicality. Everything's a game. Everything is just no matter what he says, it's an argument. They're contrarian. The funny thing is, Trump has been mostly right. Right here. Boom. There it is. Once again, they look like morons. They hurt people. And Trump was proven right. If Trump is right six out of 10 times, that means they're wrong four out of 10 times. And they're wrong a lot. When will they stop being wrong? I don't know. And why do they just believe all of this? It's the craziest thing to me. The latest story that Russia put a bounty on U.S. soldiers and they just believe it. And I'm like, well, Trump denied it. The White House denied it. 
There's no hard evidence to present to me. Why should I believe it? I'm not going to say Trump's right. Maybe he's lying, but you've not proven it to me. So why should I care? When you prove it to me, then I'll start listening. And here we are. They're going to shut down the economy again. They're getting angry. The numbers are doing well. Whenever, whenever the good job numbers come out, they put out some ridiculous story saying, actually, the job numbers are worse. Right now they're going, well, the 4.8 million jobs that have just been created, those are temporary jobs. Permanent job losses are very high. And that's actually a bad thing. This is the worst. I'm just so sick of it, man. I don't know. This is more of a rant just because this to me was like, I snapped. You know what I mean? Seeing this story was like, the broken, the, 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 you know, my, my mind had snapped previously because they flip flop four or five times. And now there's just a bunch of broken sticks laying on the ground. I can't snap anymore. So I'm just staring at this like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Let's just be honest. Y'all have no idea what's going on. Apparently COVID causes diabetes now. I'm not kidding. Cause diabetes. It causes auditory hallucinations. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. Listen to your doctor. Talk to your doctor. Stay safe. People are going to tell you to wear a mask. People are going to tell you not to wear a mask. Just ask your doctor. Don't take my advice. Don't, for political reasons, say you must or you mustn't. Just ask your doctor. If your doctor says it's a smart thing to do, it's the right thing to do, I just do it. I'm, 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 I'm so over this. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. Timcast.net, and I will see you all then. We may have no idea what's going to happen in November. Maybe Trump wins, maybe he loses, maybe Biden wins or loses, maybe they both win, maybe they both lose. No one has any clue. Maybe everyone just fights, everything blows up, and then that's it. That's the end of the world. Or maybe it's an election. Maybe it's an election year. Everyone's overreacting. And we start to look to 2024 to talk about what comes next. And surprisingly, Tucker Carlson's name is being floated. Politico writes, Tucker Carlson, 2024, the GOP is buzzing. The Fox News hosts ratings have gone gangbusters and many Republicans think he'd be a force in the Republican primary. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, BS, it's bunk. It's clickbait trash. In my opinion, I do not be- look, Tucker Carlson's very wealthy. He's got the highest rated show in cable TV history right now. And if he were to run for office, he would be giving up millions of dollars in exchange for $400,000. But there is a good point in that uh, Tucker Carlson's already rich. Being that he's already rich, what does he care about his salary, right? He could theoretically just become president. And of course, after you leave the presidency, you write a bunch of books, you make a ton of money. Like the Obamas, the Clintons, they made a ton of money that way. So maybe money isn't a factor. But I'm not, I don't believe it. You know, I, I see stories like this. I see people talking about it and, it. and it really just feels like Politico is sitting there scratching their head with a pencil. And some guy's like, can we, wh- what do we have? We've got to write something. I don't know. You want to call somebody and ask them if Tucker Carlson should be president? Then they do. They get a bunch of comments and then they write an article. But to be fair, let's read and see what they're saying. Tucker Carlson's audience is booming, writes Politico. And so is Chad, the popular Fox News host, will parlay his TV perch into a run for president in 2024. Republican strategists, conservative commentators, and former Trump campaign and administration officials are buzzing about Carlson as the next generation leader of Donald Trump's movement with many believing he would be an immediate front runner in a Republican primary, Carlson would win. 100%. At least the Republican primary. I think you would also do, I, I got to be honest, I think Tucker could actually win and become president. I, I, I really mean that. I don't know if you guys remember, but he had a debate with Cenk Uger of the Young Turks over uh, at Politicon a couple of years ago. And Tucker Carlson is a fairly moderate individual. He loves his country. He may not speak to the far left, 
But I believe he would absolutely wrap up moderate liberals and everyone to the right of them. Let's read more. Quote, he's a talented communicator with a massive platform. I think if he runs, he'd be formidable, said Luke Thompson, a Republican strategist who worked for Jeb Bush's super PAC in 2016. Well, I don't care for his advice. Jeb Bush's super PAC. Come on. While practically every Republican eyeing a 2024 presidential run is professing loyalty to Trump the person, Carlson has become perhaps the highest profile proponent of Trumpism, a blend of anti-immigrant nationalism, economic populism, and America first isolationism. That's just not true. Come on. That he articulates unapologetically with some snark. At the same time, he's shown a rare willingness among Republicans to bluntly criticize Trump when he believes the president is straying from that ideology. And it works. Tucker Carlson might actually be the guiding force for Republicans right now. I mean it. Like he, he goes on his show and he says it. People listen. And then, you know, you actually had that story from Newsweek a while ago, several months ago. Tucker Carlson actually flew down to Mar-a-Lago to meet with Donald Trump to tell him about the dangers of COVID. Tucker Carlson's got influence, man. In another twist, Carlson has established a friendship with Donald Trump Jr., according to a source familiar with their relationship. Trump Jr. has drawn his own share of presidential buzz. Tucker Carlson tonight is currently the most watched cable news program in history, according to the second quarter ratings released this week. This week. And on Fox News' YouTube channel, Carlson's segments from the past quarter have drawn well over 60 million views and are among the most popular videos in the eight, uh, eight years since the network began posting on, on the platform. Wow. Tucker Carlson, 60 million views. That's, that's really impressive. You know, if he, if he keeps it up and he works hard, he might actually one day beat my view count of uh, just about 70 million views. So, so good on you, Tucker. You know, you'll keep it up and maybe you'll make it. I'm kidding, by the way. Tucker Carlson's getting 4 million live viewers per night. I do do well. The, the ratings have been great on my end. But a lot of people talk about the dying cable news network stuff. You got to factor in the fact that Tucker Carlson is getting, what, like 720,000 key demo viewers in one single hour unique, plus 60 million views on his content on YouTube. This dude is a powerhouse. And I got to say, probably rival some of the biggest podcasts in the world. I was joking, by the way. I get it. I get a lot of YouTube views. But these are just for his standalone segments, which are already getting massive numbers. The dude is wildly influential. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think he's, he's probably the best uh, political personality on TV. Even if you disagree with him, and I disagree with him on probably a decent amount of things, he's honest. He has on opposition voices. I have tremendous respect for that. His popularity with the base would instigate a debate over the future of his party, of the party, essentially whether Trump was an aberration or a party realigning disruptor, a fight that will be all the fiercer if Trump loses in November. Think about it. Yeah. Let me read this. Let me put it this way. If Biden wins and Tucker decided to run, he'd be the nominee, said Sam Nunberg, a former top political aide to Trump who knows Carlson. But Nunberg said he doesn't believe Carlson will run because he's so disgusted with politicians. This is why I'm saying, man, this is just hype machine stuff. They know. Look, the journalists over at Politico probably saw Tucker Carlson highest rated in cable history and said, let's run an article about him being president. They probably reached out to these strategists and said, what do you think about a Carlson presidency? I think he'd win. And then they write it up, making it seem like the GOP is flipping out. Oh, Tucker's going to run. No, he's not. Come on, shut up. Here we go. 16 prominent Republicans interviewed by Politico said there's an emerging consensus in the GOP that the 51-year-old Carlson will be a, would, would, would be formidable 
if he were to run. Some strategists aligned with other potential candidates are convinced he will enter the race and detect the outlines of a stump speech in Carlson's recent Fox monologue. Others, particularly those who know him well, are skeptical that he would leave his primetime TV gig. Carlson and Fox News declined to comment, notably because the story is probably just hype machine nonsense. Rich Lowry, Rich, Rich Lowry, editor of the Conservative National Review and author of The Case for Nationalism, said in an interview, no one can dismiss this and say it's completely implausible. There is at the very least a significant faction within the Republican Party that Carlson has a huge stake in and arguably leadership over. Lowry, who writes a column for Politico, said, if he has political ambitions, he has an opening. He has a following and a taste for controversy. He's smart, quick on his feet and personable. Political experience matters less than it once did. Is there anybody on the Democratic side you can name? I, I, I mean it. You look over to the Republican side and we have a massive list of potential 2024 nominees, potential candidates, people you can view as strong, principled, with a following, with fans. Now I bring you to the Democratic Party. Please name for me one person. Come on, I'm waiting. You got anybody? Nobody? I didn't think so. Okay, maybe some of you said Andrew Yang or something. I can't think of anybody on the Democratic side that inspires the same level of zeal that I have. You, could, you could name a ton of Republicans. In fact, there's actually a list over at the Washington Post. But right off the bat, we can talk about Hawley. We can talk about Trump Jr. Obviously, people have even talked about Ivanka. Let's, let's pull this list up because you actually have a list of people they think. Trump Jr., Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, Tim Scott, Rick Scott, Elise Stefanik even. Yeah, Stefanik, I could see it. Absolutely. Now, can you name anybody on the Democrat side? You know why you can't? Because most of them are uninspiring, boring, confusing, and don't have a platform to stand on. Now, I can certainly name some people I think they might try to have run, people who actually tried to run last time, but they don't have followings. Come on, Swalwell, right? Cheat an election. Remember that when he farted on TV? That guy's not going to run. Who else do you got? Uh, Pete Buttigieg, maybe. Eh, pff, he's out. What's Pete? You know, Pete Buttigieg was like vanilla pudding, okay? He's he, or vanilla yogurt. It's like he's a regular guy, uninspiring, nothing really strong about his positions. But the bigger issue is that you look at these people, you look at Elise Stefanik, she riles people up. She's got big fans. You look at someone like Donald Trump Jr., big fans. And I would say Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, I would, I would give it to them. The rest of them, I would say, nah, sorry. Maybe maybe Ted Cruz. Donald Trump Jr., yeah. These are people who online have fervent fan bases. I can't say the same thing for Democrats. Maybe one of these Trump reply guys. Seriously, I kid you not. They'll take one of these Trump reply guys, put him on TV and have him spout one-liners. That is probably the best bet the Democratic Party has. Anyway, here's the point. Tucker Carlson, not going to happen. It's just buzz. It's hype. They want you to click the links. They want you to read the stories. I really just don't see it. It's possible. Maybe anything's possible. But Tucker's way more powerful and influential doing what he does. So who will it be? More importantly, what will happen in 2024? Let's make the assumption that Biden or Trump wins. And we move into a 2024 where it's going to be a regular election cycle. You then end up with a huge list of rising stars in the Republican Party that have fan bases. And you look to the Democrats, and I'm sorry, man. What is it going to be? 82-year-old Bernie Sanders? 81? How old is he going to be? Joe Biden? He's already too old. Warren's too old. Clinton's too old. What do you got? Tulsi Gabbard was, was, was lit on fire by her own party. They, 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 you know, so I don't know what she's going to do. Andrew Yang's a maybe, 
But as much as I do like Andrew Yang for a lot of his policy positions, I don't see it. Maybe you'll get some young upstart uh, Stalin-esque type, but they don't have anybody. Mostly because the party is completely fractured. There I say, you look to the Republican Party, they're unified. You look to the Democrats, they're fighting a civil war among themselves. It's another reason to think that Trump might win, even with bad polling, because the Democrats are not a unified party. But I really doubt it'll be Tucker. I got to admit, though, if it was, I mean, he's somebody I might vote for. He's got he's got the, the, the moderate center right kind of policy that I disagree with uh, on a few issues, but he's pro-America. I like it. He's not a potty mouth like Trump. I really like it. I believe he's an economic populist who wants to bring the troops home. Really, really like those things. I'd be willing to make a lot of concessions if he was willing to do more for this country, help fix problems in, in cities like Flint and I mean, bring our troops home. I guess we'll see what happens come 2024. For now, we got to worry about 2020. So that's more important. Anyway, stick around. I got a couple more segments in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. The Washington Redskins may finally change their name. Redskins to conduct thorough review of team name and intense scrutiny. Here, here. It's about time they got rid of this weird name. I got I to gotta be honest. In my personal opinion, I mostly don't care if you want to have your team name something offensive. I can criticize it. I'm not a fan of football, so whatever. My advice would be to pick up your old uh, uh, Redskins fan objects, whatever branded logos you can now, because they're probably going to change the name. But that being said, in my opinion, I don't like the name and I don't like the logo. And I think changing it is just fine. I really don't care. There's apparently, I think it was Ben Shapiro tweeted about this. He said there was a, a hoax campaign where they wrote a bunch of fake stories, screenshots of the Redskins changing their name to the Red Hawks and changing their logo to a hawk. I'm like, that that's act, that's actually kind of cool. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have nostalgia for for the Redskins and you know for for where their team is. Personally, I got no problem with this. I really don't. You know, look, I think there's a big difference between everything being offensive and actually discussing ways we can be accommodating in terms of not purposefully target you know offending people, targeting them. Right? I'm a fan of free speech. I believe if the Redskins want to keep the name, yeah, sure, fine. People have uh, their, their choice to wh- whether they want to buy your products and be fans of your, your, your company or your brand or whatever or not. But whether or not a brand chooses to support something, I really don't care. If the Redskins decide, okay, it's probably a bad idea to keep this name, then so be it. But here, here, here's the big point, right? They're actually not, doing, <laughs> not changing their name right now. I think, in my opinion, they're trying to weather the storm to keep their name because they don't want to change their branding. But let me tell you this. If we are going to be having a conversation about the Redskins changing their name because it's offensive, I say, fine, do it. I don't care. But at least, can we talk about the Young Turks? Yeah, you know the Young Turks, Jank Uger. Come on, Jank. Your company is named the Young Turks, okay? If you want to claim to be progressive and you, and you think it's a good idea to change this name, hey, man, don't, don't let me stop you, Okay. Actually, I, I really think the Red Hawks is a cool name. Like the logo they designed was actually pretty cool. Uh, if you want to keep it, that's fine. I'm, I'm not a football person. I'm not going to buy your stuff regardless. But how about the Young Turks, man? Are we going to start changing everybody's names because they're offensive? Okay, let's go for it. All right, let's read this story and see what's going on. Uh, admittedly, not that I care. And, and there, there's another story too. A lot of people are upset because apparently the NFL is going to sing the Black National Anthem instead of the National Anthem. It's a different thing, mind you. And people are upset about it. So let's talk about woke football. But let's let's read this very quickly. They said, in light of recent events around our country and feedback from our community, 
the Washington Redskins are announcing the team will undergo a thorough review of the team's name. The review formalizes the initial discussions the team has been having with the league in recent events. The process allows the team to take into account not only the proud tradition and history of the franchise, but also input from our alumni, the organization, sponsors, the National Football League and local community. It is proud to represent on and off the field. All right. So apparently Nike has already pulled a bunch of the Redskins gear or whatever because the name's offensive and, you know, the corporations are totally adopting intersectionalism. I got to say it, man. Look, I don't like it when you get these spammy messages where they're like, have you prayed for this ideology today? And have you accepted the terms of anti-racism and things like this? I don't care for the white privilege stuff. I don't care for the SJWs. I don't care for the authoritarianism. But I got to admit, I'm totally okay if they want to get rid of the Redskins name. I think it's stupid. I really do. I understand. Maybe there was a reason they had it at some point. But of all the names they had, yeah, not a fan. A lot of people have tried saying that, uh, well, the Cowboys, I mean, Cowboys killed Indians, right? Native Americans. Sorry. Maybe that was offensive, huh? They say, what about the Vikings? The Vikings raped and pillaged. I get it. If they wanted to change their names to like the Indians or the Arawaks or the uh, Iroquois or the Apache or something like that, then I'd probably be like, whatever, I don't care. But Redskins is literally a slur. You know what I mean? It's like literally meant to, you know, (laughs) I guess deride them. Whatever, man. What companies do on their own dime, I don't care. I think it's silly that they got rid of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben because they're removing mascots for brands that it's actually a powerful image. But they leave things like Mr. Clean. You know, I made this joke on the IRL podcast. Not really a joke. It's a point, right? That we're going to retain all of the white mascots. No problem. But they're, they're going to get rid of Uncle Ben, who is just a farmer. Like, seriously, you know, Uncle Ben's rice? Just a farmer. But, but, but in the end, I can be critical of it. I really don't care. I really don't. I know a lot of people are taking it as like a culture war issue. Me personally, if a company says this will not make our company money, we're going to change it. That's fine if they do it. The big issue I have with the the woke ideology stuff or something like singing the black national anthem is that it's not going to do anything to help your business. That's just get woke, go broke, cringe stuff. To be honest, I actually think if the Redskins change their name, they'll probably make money. I think if the NFL wants to do the the black national anthem, they're probably going to lose money. You know, the, the main point is, are you being accommodating to regular people? Are you actually solving real problems or are you just pandering? There was a, a, a tweet meme kind of thing that went around from progressives, uh, far leftists actually agreed with. They said, uh, real problem, real real estate agents not showing all of their listings to a black family. Yeah, there, there are problems like uh, redlining, blockbusting. Now they've been made mostly illegal, but there's still the residual impacts. Hey, that's, a, that's an issue. And it says fake problem, complaining about a room that you call the master bedroom. I completely agree. These are not real problems, Okay. So I get that some people are offended over the Redskins, but it's funny. There was a poll that was done that found most Native Americans don't care. So I guess the real issue is, are we just pretending to be offended? And I got to say, I think most people are. But I defer back to my point I was making. If a company says we're changing our brand, hey, man, that's on them. Listen, I'm actually a fan of the idea of but my private company, right? Not in the sense that if you post something, my private company can strip away your rights. But if Facebook wanted to change the F on their Facebook logo into a clown face, I'd be like, whatever, man, you do what you want with your brand image. Will people be upset because they like the F? Yeah, maybe, but probably not. 
Are there fans of Redskins who are probably mad they're going to they're gonna lose the name and all that stuff? Probably, but I'll tell you what, man. Here's the bright side. If you're somebody who owns like signature, old school, like signed, autographed uh, bits of Redskin history, it's going to go way up in value, you know? So there you go. You, you, you can keep that, right? But here, let, let's read this. They say, conservative slam report that the NFL will sing the black national anthem before the Star Spangled Banner while black media members knock the league's symbolic gesture. Knock it. Nobody cares. Nobody wants. This is what I'm talking about, man. This is pandering. Just sing the national anthem. And if people want to kneel, fine. Is this an effort to get people not to kneel? What happens if some people kneel for this national anthem? Are they bigots? I don't know. I think it's dumb. They say both conservatives and African-American media members are criticizing the NFL's reported plan to play Lift Every Voice and Sing, considered to be the black national anthem before the Star Spangled Banner in the opening week of the upcoming season. How many national anthems do we have? Ted Cruz asked on social media. Is there an Hispanic national anthem, an Asian American national anthem? Uh, If there isn't, I would like to nominate for the Asian American national anthem, Napal Baji by Psy. Now, you may be familiar with Psy. He did Gangnam Style, but I actually think Napal Baji is a way better song. Totally underrated. Did not get nearly enough play. Psy is awesome, by the way, but I'm kidding. I don't know if I have enough Korean in me to actually have a full vote. Maybe it's just a one-fourth compromise. Oh, is that an offensive joke? Too bad. This is asinine. We are one America e pluribus unum, he concluded. Here's Ted Cruz's commentary. Look, I, I, I actually, I'm going to say, like, if, if you want to play the Black National Anthem, by all means. Like, I don't, I don't see what the issue is. It's a business decision. And here's what I always say to people. If you're a fan of the NFL and you are unhappy with the decisions they're making and the Redskins, then just don't patronize that business. I really don't, I really don't see why it's an issue. But I'll, I'll defer straight up to, say, like, uh, Kama, uh, Kama Bell. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your name right. He said, Black folks. NFL, your league is 70% black, but less than 10% of your head coaches are. Also, you're the only one of the three big leagues without guaranteed contracts. And Kaepernick is better than many white QBs you employ. And NFL, shh, my favorite song is playing. I don't know what that really means, to be honest. Jamel Hill says, I can't wait until NFL figures out nobody black knows the second verse of, <laughs> but uh, wait, wait, what? Out nobody black knows the second verse of lift every voice and sing. Vincent Goodwill says we want more black men in executive positions and more head coaches and Kaepernick in the league. NFL, how about the black national anthem? I defer to them. Hey, man, if they want Kaepernick, if they want these changes, those are the real social justice causes. To be fair, I think often when it comes to, you know, big culture war issues, we get a caricature of the actual positions being held by these people, right? So listen, if these people, uh, uh, you know, the fans of the NFL want the changes, then by all means, if they don't want the changes, I think it's silly and absurd. One of the biggest problems we have with all the culture war stuff is people who are not fans or patrons of a certain industry making changes. I think it's symbolic stupidity to think you can pander to somebody without offering up what they're actually asking for. So again, to defer to the actual Black Lives Matter activists who are asking for real changes and not getting them, I think the NFL is pandering and making a big mistake. And when it comes to the actual fans, they're also not servicing them either. So here's what it really comes down to. If you're not providing for those who would ask of you and you're not providing for the people who actually want to patronize your business, then what are you doing? That's the only (laughs) whatever, man. In the end, I am not a fan of football. I don't care what they do. They're not getting my money anyway. But I think this one's uh, these two issues are actually interesting to me. 
Because I got to admit, I, I don't care for the Redskins name, you know, but as being being as somebody who is not a fan or doesn't give them money, should they cater to my opinion? Probably not. Maybe they should do what they got to do. I don't know. Whatever, man. This is dumb. It's all stupid. I don't really have strong opinions on this stuff, right? We'll see how they how it plays out. And ultimately, the big question will be, will they get woke and go broke? That's the real question. But hey, that's up to you, NFL. You do your thing. I got one more segment coming up for you in just a minute, and I will see you all shortly. Over the past several months, New York City has been, well, dying. Things are getting worse. They're going from bad to worse and worse to worser and worsest. And now it's just trash. Protesters at NYC City Hall cover buildings in graffiti, barricade subways, leave piles of stinking trash, and throw dirty clothes over railings as they celebrate $1 billion being cut from the NYPD's budget. And like with most occupations, it's just going to devolve into a homeless camp. New York City, you now have another occupation. And for the most part, I'm fine with this. But you combine this with everything else, and New York City is a wasteland. You have a massive uptick in shootings, in crime. The police are being defunded. Maybe they can take that billion dollars from the police and put it into the MTA, which is also crumbling. The only problem, those, that tax revenue, maybe the reason they're pulling a billion dollars from the NYPD isn't actually because of the protesters, but it's because people are fleeing New York. There's an exodus. And you can also thank Ocasio-Cortez for driving out 25 to 40,000 jobs with the Amazon factory, HQ loss, not factory, H headquarters. All in all, what do we have? People are fleeing New York City in major and massive numbers. Shootings are way up. A string of shootings across New York City leaves one dead, 10 injured as gun violence surge continues. That's just from today. It's just been going on and on and on. And then you add in the people demanding they strip more money away from the cops while everything's falling apart. And what do you get? If you still live in New York City, I don't, something's wrong with you. I'm sorry, man. I'm not trying to be mean because I know a lot of you probably do, but I got out a long time ago. I got, I got out when the bombs were planted in Manhattan. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. When the bombs were planted in Manhattan, that's when I was like, hmm. I don't want to live in this metro. It's actually a little bit more complicated than that. I lived in Brooklyn for a long time. The rent was crazy. A couple of cops got executed in front of my house. Not an exaggeration either. And I was like, man, not a comfortable place to be. There's, there, you're, you're trapped in a, in a cubicle, stacked on top of other cubicles. Everything smells like sour milk. Literally, I look out my window. I look to my right. And what do I see at the corner of the street? Down one street, police barricades. The lights had been shut off. There's floodlights, two dead cops. Guy walked up, killed him. Yeah, not a fun place to be. So what did I do? I actually ended up moving down to Miami to try and like, I'm going to try Miami. I wanted to get out of New York, but I worked for a company down there. Didn't work out. You guys are a little fusion bit. So I came back and decided, well, I want to live in the New York Metro, but not in New York because of this insanity, because of, you know, what happened in front of my apartment, among other things. So I chose New Jersey, just on the other side of the river in one of these little, uh, little you know, little New Jersey-ish small towns. And I lived there for a year. And while I was there, someone planted bombs in Manhattan. Not exaggerating, quite literally planted bombs and they blew up and a lot of people got hurt. And I went down there and I filmed it and I was like, man, this is, this is crazy stuff. So I moved further south and the craziness continued. And then I moved further south again. And I was like, I'm going to, this, I'm going to the bottom of this state, right? I'm going to Southern, Southern Jersey. Now I'm in the Philly, the Philly Metro basically. And I don't want to be here now either. It's continued to escalate the craziness around cities, the riots. But we're talking about uh, New York here. So I got out. A lot of people stayed. It, you know, it's, it's shocking me because people have this bias where they're like, oh, that was one time. It won't get worse. No, it's going to get worse. 
It's going to just keep getting worse. You know, you got a story in New York state right now. Apparently some young people went to a party. Then they got some letters sent in the mail, some emails or something, or phone calls. We want to contact trace you to figure out who you touched because of COVID. They ignored it. So now they're being subpoenaed and threatened with $2,000 a day fine. Why would you want to live in that horrifying place? How about this? Andrew Cuomo took people who had COVID and put them in nursing homes, killing old people. Yeah, the state is a disaster zone. Now we got photos. They say that the, the zone is dubbed Abolition Park by its occupiers, and it's now run down. Look at this. Oh, nasty, man. Let me tell you, man, I was down there for Occupy Wall Street, and it was bad. It really was. The city announced they were going to clear out Occupy Wall Street. I believe it was October 14th, 2011, because it was so filthy. So a bunch of activists showed up in the wee hours of the morning, and they cleaned everything. It was actually pretty amazing. It was actually pretty cool. A couple thousand people came. Everything got cleaned. They lifted stuff up. They hosed it all down. They did a pretty good job. And then the city backed off. Well, now you got the same problem starting to emerge. This is going to be a biohazard. I mean, this is a biohazard. Look at this. Protesters have been camped outside City Hall for more than a week now. As calls for widespread police reform and for the NYPD to be defunded escalated in the weeks following the Memorial Day murder of George Floyd. But I'm going to pause real quick to give a shout out to today's sponsor, BioTrust. Very simply, BioTrust is a collagen supplement. It's a vital protein your body needs. It helps with your ligaments, your skin, your nails, etc. Check out healthwithtim.com or in the description below, you'll see the link and you can get 51% off while supplies last. Full disclosure, I actually do use BioTrust. I have it right here. I showed this the last time I did a promo. It's got cat bites all over the top. I find that very funny, by the way, because apparently the cats like it. But look, I'll I'll level with you. I'm a 34-year-old skateboarder, and I'm very concerned about my knees. So I'm definitely grateful that I can get something, a product like this, which will help keep my knees, my joints, skin, etc. healthy. If you want to learn more, check out healthwithtim.com. Again, 51% off while supplies last. But let's get back to the story. They've barricaded the subway. Brooklyn Bridge City Hall subway station was barricaded with wooden crates, metal railings, and other debris. Why? It looks like the gate might be closed already. So maybe they're trying to prevent. No, I don't know. This is weird. It, the sign says, it is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. We must love and protect one another. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Interesting. And it says abolition is justice. Here you can see people have started setting up camps and tents and clothes. There's a towel drying right here. That's amazing. On Thursday, the campsite's image of an organized occupied protest was a thing of the past. Clothing and sheets were flung over railings in the street, while graffiti demanding justice and slamming law enforcement was scrawled on the pavements. Brooklyn Bridge City Hall subway station was barricaded with wooden crates, metal railings, and other debris blocking commuters coming and going into the city. Some protesters were pictured looking settled in on chairs while others perched on grass now littered with rubbish bags and towels. The city hall building itself was barely recognizable compared to a week ago with graffiti scrawled across the walls. Yeah, this is weird and kind of gross. Yeah, that's it's it's kind of sad, man. Here's a sign that says the people the, the people demand America end qualified immunity. Civilians Defense Act divest the police, invest in black and uh, end petty crime arrests. They've even graffitied up. Wow, this is city hall building just covered in graffiti. There's a pig graffiti there. A couple of it. I'm, I'm impressed with the uh, the clothes they've just hung up over over everything. Look, man, I was down there for Occupy Wall Street. Initially, they didn't have tents because as soon as anybody would try to set up a tent, the cops would come in and just tear it down. 
Someone then set up, I think it's called a Sukkot hut. I could be wrong, but it was like a prayer hut, I believe, for Judaism. I'm not entirely sure. And the police couldn't actually take it down because it was religious. As soon as that went up, tents started to emerge. And the occupiers actually stayed there into early November. It was really weird. October, it was like snowing and cold and it was just really awful. They were giving out like mylar blankets, like a thin, you know, metallic material. It was very filthy. It was very, very filthy. But they created what was called the sanitation working group or committee, a group dedicated to actually making sure things were clean because they knew that was a, that was one of the weaknesses they had. The filth of this area, human waste, other gross things. Well, that was going to result in the cops coming in and shutting it all down. And so they didn't want to give the police an excuse because think about it. If the media came out and said this is disgusting and filthy, public support would abandon them. Guess what? Today, everything is so hyper polarized. The media is actually on their side. No one's going to call this out. Of course, the Daily Mail writes about how gross it is, but they're not going to care because the police will not have any public support from anyone, which means they have no incentive to actually clean up. But anyway, anyway, we get it. We get it. It's a disgusting mess down there. Sure. I'm sure there's going to be some activists who try to clean things up and try to make it at least somewhat uh, sanitary, right? But in the end, what do we really have? It's not been it's not been 10 years and another occupation has formed. But more importantly, the city itself seems to be just completely falling apart. There was I think it may have been the commissioner who said that a storm was coming because crime is skyrocketing. Shootings are skyrocketing. Yep. With all this graffiti, with the slashing of the NYPD budget, with the mass exodus, it kind of feels like New York is going back to the way things were in the 80s, which is very interesting. You know why? Legend has it, I'm being facetious, that New York was a crime infested wasteland until Donald Trump saved it. I'm not kidding. I watched a documentary about this. They talked about how Donald Trump came in and created these, these, these luxury buildings which incentivized wealthier people to come in who paid massive taxes, which helped the city start cleaning things up. A lot of other reforms came. But I was watching a documentary talking about how Donald Trump saved New York City. Now, some people probably disagree, but it's funny now that when Trump becomes president and the anti-Trump sentiment leaks in, it starts to look like it used to be before Donald Trump, who is now the president of the United States. It's almost like we're living in a very, very awful B-movie. The plot just seems obvious. I don't know. Just weird in every respect. The city is now covered in graffiti in certain areas. Crime is skyrocketing and people are fleeing because things are getting really, really bad. As more people flee, there will be less taxes. With less taxes comes less services. With less services comes more protests. Because of the austerity measures that will invariably put, be put in place because of a loss of revenue, far left activists will start making more and more demands. Money will be stripped from the NYPD, which will result in more crime, which will result in more graffiti and destruction and vandalism. More people will leave, which will result in less tax revenue. Long story short, it seems like New York is entering the toilet flush whirlpool. It's dominoes falling over. That's only going to lead to more destruction. And everything that happens in New York will now lead to things getting worse. It's possible things can be reversed. I'm not going to pretend like New York is just going to completely fall into the gutter. But with as bad as things have been with the riots, with now this occupation and the the crime, it seems like no one's going to want to live there. Not only that, but COVID. I mean, it's the epicenter. It really is. 
So people are going to move to remote areas. They're going to work remotely. And New York doesn't need to exist anymore. People have asked, what does New York really produce? And my response is, it is an intelligence hub for major corporations. But it doesn't need to be. The idea before was you could live in proximity and there was a nightlife and it was fun. You like to live in the city. But now, now people don't. This could be the end of New York City, at least as we know it. And to be honest, it could be the end of most big cities. They'll spread out. I guess we'll see. Stick around. Next segment is coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I will see you all then.